You know, and, and so, so is the enemy. We see all sorts of things going on in the world that we live in. This past week or two has had some amazing, uh, not just glorious, but disturbing things going on. Train wrecks and things in the sky and things in the earth and earthquakes. You know, we, we need to be praying for the people of Turkey. I just want you to know that uh, uh, Tony Cook uh, sent me something about how he's involved in uh, reaching people that are in need in Turkey, and we support him. Also, uh, Jason Laws and World Compassion, they're on the ground. They're getting supplies into people. and uh, So whether you know it or not, you're involved. But we can always be available to God to be involved to whatever degree he wants. Amen? That's why when we heard from, from Becky about how our, our wallets are, are a platform to be able to sow seed that impacts all sorts of other people. You'll never know the side of heaven, the people that you've impacted by your giving or by your prayers, but one day you will. God will make sure that you know because the Bible says God is not going to forget your labor of love. He knows everything about what, what we've done and what's going on, and, and we, we are privileged to be stewards of what God has given us to make sure it gets to where God wants it to go. Amen? Well, also there are some amazing things uh, we're seeing that are happening on colleges and universities across our nation. You know, it's, it's, it's what the Bible tells us is going to happen. There are going to be revivals and things. And, uh, you know, sometimes we, we look out there and we say, oh my gosh, look, it's going on out there. I got to get there. Well, if God directs you to go there, go. But if God doesn't direct you to go, guess what it is? It's just a work of the flesh. We're just running after something. And guess who you don't have to run after? God. Because if God wants you to get whatever's going on there, all you have to do is spend time with him. He'll give it to you. But if God wants you to be there, you can't stay where you are and get what he has. Hello? The key to... Receiving what God has is trusting God and obeying God. Whatever God wants you to do, then he can do what he has to do. When we're obedient, we open up avenues for God to be able to work. Um, because he does. He really wants to work. And I just want to start this morning out with a, uh, a story that I, was, I became aware of, of a, a young boy who was playing baseball. And uh, their team was out practicing and they had batting practice, and this young, young man was up at the, uh, the plate, and he was having a really difficult time hitting a ball, and he was getting really frustrated. And uh, unfortunately, you know how kids are, the pitcher was having a great time because he was able to smoke this kid, couldn't hit the ball, and he was, he was rejoicing in it. And, and the young man that was at the plate called over to the coach that happened to be his dad. And, and he didn't, didn't say anything about the pitcher. The pitcher was just doing what the pitcher is there to do, pitch, and not let anybody hit it. But he's, he said, Dad, you know, I'm having a really hard time. I'm so frustrated. I don't know what to do. And immediately his dad walked from the dugout over to where the, the young boy was. And he put his arms around his son while his son gripped the bat. And he gripped the bat with his son. And the pitcher's eyes got really big. 
And the pitcher pitched one of his best pitches. And they swang together and hit the ball and drove it a long, long ways. The little boy said, thanks, Dad. And the dad didn't let go. Waited again for the next pitch. Swung, hit the ball. It went farther than the first one. Again, we're ready. The pitch came. They hit the ball. Went farther than the first two. Now, I tell you this story because this little boy was frustrated. He couldn't do what he wanted to do, what he knew he should do. <clears throat> he just needed some help. He needed some coaching. And his father came over and wrapped his arms around him and grabbed on to what he was doing because the little boy let him. And the little boy didn't fight. He just yielded to what his father was doing learned the motion, and eventually was able to do it on his own. But this is very much like you and me. You know, there are things in our lives that are very frustrating. They're, they're, they're difficult for us, it seems. And we keep trying, and we get more frustrated, and we get discouraged to the point where many times we just want to quit. Now, some of you today may want to quit. But I'm telling you, God will never quit on you. But check it out. See if you have taken some time to really go to God and say, God, you know, I, I really believe this is what you have for me to do. If it is, then invite God to be involved in what you're doing. Because all he's doing is he's coming alongside you to accomplish what he intended all along. And when he is able to wrap his arms around us and add what he can do, to what we do for him, the results are amazing. God puts his super on our natural to do supernatural things. God puts his extra on our ordinary to do extraordinary things. And that's one of the reasons why God has given us his spirit. Because he is always there. To always be involved if we will pause and make sure what we're doing is what God has for us to do. Because God, God is not going to participate in something he hadn't planned. So don't, don't ask him to do something if you know it's against his word or his will. Because he won't. But if you and I, as, as loving children, have given ourselves to doing what he wants then know that he'll be right there to get involved and cause what he, is, what he has designed for your life to become supernatural and extraordinary. Amen? God is a good God and he's doing great things and we just need, we need to seek him, to know what he wants, to walk in what he wants. And that's one of the things that's going on in, in these places all across the nation I've been listening to and reading about what's going on at Asbury University and, and how there, there is a, the president of the college was addressing some things and, and he said there's a spirit of gratitude, of praise and worship, of humility, of generosity, of love and repentance. In that kind of atmosphere, God, God is able to do amazing things. Because people are, 
are expectant. There, there's faith there. They want, not what they want, they want what God wants. And so God is, is ever working in, in situations like that. Not unlike what happened with Ezekiel. And today we're going to continue to look at Ezekiel. We're going to see uh, what went on and why it went on. And what, what does God have for you? How does, this, how does this apply to us? Well, we know that uh, the situation was that Ezekiel was taken out by the Spirit of God uh, to a valley that was strewn with bones. They were scattered all over the place. They were very dry, and it, it indicated they had been dead for a long time. And God asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said to God, O sovereign Lord, only you know the answer to that which was showing the wisdom that he had and the dependence and trust he had on God. It was the fear of God. He had an awe and reverence of God that God knew far more than he, he ever knew or could know and could do far more than he could do. And so in reverence to God, he said, only you know. And then God started to direct him of what he wanted Ezekiel to do. And Ezekiel could have balked at that because God was telling him, you need to prophesy, speak inspired of me, speak my words, the word of the Lord to these bones. These bones represented Israel, who had lost all hope and, and expected their nation to be decimated and non-existent because they were, they were uh, in Babylon in captivity. And they had heard Jerusalem had been just destroyed. And so they, they had lost all hope. And God says, Ezekiel, speak the word of the Lord to these bones. Speak to the nations. Speak to the nation of Israel. And he told him what he was going to say. And then God said, speak. And, and it says he prophesied according to what he was commanded. And as he spoke, immediately bones began to come together and, and tendons held the bones together, and muscle came on the bones, and skin came on the muscle. And here were fully formed people. There was a reuniting, like what God was going to do in Israel, reunite Israel, because they had been so divided and so decimated. And yet it never looked like that could happen, but God said, this is what, what my word I am speaking to the nation of Israel, and this is what's going to happen. And as he was obedient, things started to change. I want you to know, obedience, our obedience, is what God's looking for. God is offering us the greatest privilege of all, and that is to be co-laborers with him. But we can't just say, okay, God, come on, we'll, we're going to do this. God directs us, and we, in great awe of God, great fear of the Lord, awe and reverence and respect and honor and trust and obedience, we, we give ourselves to God to do what he wants. And, and when that happens, that combination causes things to change. God is looking for us to be available to him to work through. Whether you realize it or not, that's how God works on the earth. He works through people. And we're either going to let the enemy work through us or let God work through us. And everything we do, everything we say, is either giving place to God or to the enemy. We as Christians can give place to the enemy, can't we? We don't want to admit it, but we can. 
And we can give place to God. But we need to be aware of who we're giving place to. Who, who are we allowing to work in and through our lives? And as Ezekiel did this, these, these bones came together. These fully formed bodies were laying on the ground. But there was a problem. It says there was no breath. And we're going to pick this up in just a second in verse 9 and 10 and jump off from there. But before we do, let's pray. So if you bow your heads, Heavenly Father, we need, we need a lot of things, but everything we need comes from you. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. And today, Father, we, we know that you're here. You've already said in your word that we're two or more are gathered. You're there in their midst. Your word says you inhabit the praises of your people. Uh, you said, Lord, that you would never leave us or forsake us, but but that doesn't guarantee that you're going to be working in our lives unless we invite you and allow you. And so today, your word says we have not because we ask not. We're asking for your participation. Speak to our hearts, our minds, our circumstances and situations that we would know the truth of your word that would set us free, the truth of your word that would be life and health, the truth of your word that would bring illumination for Holy Spirit to help us receive revelation that we can apply it, that revelation to our lives and experience transformation going from glory to glory. But Father, we thank you right now for speaking to us personally and us corporately. Help us to recognize your rhema word to us today as individuals and as a body of believers. And we thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said... So in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 9 and 10, it says this. And this is, God also said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon the, these slain that they may live. Now, when it says prophesy, it, it, we talked about this. It means to speak directed or inspired by God. And uh, God had already told him what he wanted him to speak, so he needed to speak just what he was, was told, and he did. He prophesied as he was commanded, verse 10, as he commanded me. And breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great, exceedingly great army. So breath came into them, and we know, we've talked about the fact that that word breath means wind. It means breath. It also means spirit. Now, understand that if a wind blew over those, those bodies that were fully formed, that wind wouldn't do anything. We have winds flying all around us all the time, but it's not necessarily given life. In John chapter 6, verse 63, we saw last week where Jesus said these words. He said, it's the Spirit who gives what? Life, life. Do you know until the Spirit of God comes into us, we are dead spiritually? We are physically alive, but we're dead to God. The Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But when we repent, when we turn around from running our own lives, we turn to Christ, we repent, turn around, and we go to God to say, I need a Savior. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be Lord of my life. At that moment, he comes into our lives. You know, as a kid, I was told I had Jesus in my heart. And we do 
because Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. But the way he is in our hearts is by the Spirit. The Spirit of God comes to dwell in us. And through that, the Trinity is available to us. The Father and the Son come. They are there because they're one with the Spirit. And so the Spirit of God is the one that gives life. Until we receive Christ as our Lord and the Spirit of God comes to dwell in us, we are dead spiritually. Which means we are not having a relationship with God. Until we become alive to God, we can't really relate to God. There's no way. Not the way God intended. And so it's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits what? Nothing. Nothing. Man, we've got to believe the truth of God's word. The flesh profits nothing. If something's going on over, you know, in Kentucky, and, and we're just, oh my gosh, I want to go. And we don't check with God. That could be an action of the flesh. What is that going to profit? Nothing. Yeah, but I'm going to be in the presence of God. You're already in the presence of God. And we're going to see this later. You need to be where God has for you to be to receive what God has for you to receive to do what God has for you to do. Amen. Nothing better than obedience. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So he had Ezekiel prophesy to the breath, to the spirit of God, come from the four winds, because Holy Spirit is everywhere. Come from the four winds and breathe upon the slain, just like God breathe the breath of life into Adam in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 and he became a living soul a living being these these bodies that were fully formed that represented Israel there was now a unity a cohesiveness they were assembled together you know if you just stacked up the bones and put a bunch of tendons on the bones and you put a bunch of muscles on the tendons and you put a bunch of skin on the the muscles on the tendons on the bones would that be a person no, it would be a pile of mess. But it's when they're assembled. Every part in its place. Fulfilling the purpose that it was created for. And then it produces something greater than just the individual parts. It's true about our lives. We need to be assembled by God. Israel needs to be assembled by God. Put back together the right way. There was a dad that was working from home during COVID. And uh, he, he was there and his daughter was there and she was always coming to him and interrupting him and he couldn't get any work done. And so he looked on the coffee table and there was a, uh, a picture of the earth on the front of a magazine. And his daughter wasn't real young, but she wasn't, you know, real old. And so he had an idea that he would tear up the picture of the earth and make it a puzzle for her to put back together again. He figured this would take her at least a half an hour. And so he tore up the picture of the earth and put it on the table. And he said, honey, would you please put the earth back together again? And so in a couple of minutes, she was back, and she said, Daddy, I did it. 
And he was like, no, you couldn't have done it. Oh, Daddy, I did it. Come see, come see. So he got up and he went over and he looked at the coffee table and there was the earth fully intact, the whole puzzle put together. She said, how did you possibly do this? And she turned it over and there was a picture of a face of a man. And she said, I just put the picture of the face of the man together. Because if you put the man together, the world will come together. When God puts us together, then what God intends will be able to be accomplished. And so the Spirit of God came and, and, and filled these bodies, and they became. Can we go back to uh, verse 10, 9 and 10, please? It says, they stood up on their feet and were an exceedingly great army. Now, this represents the nation of Israel, but it's also representative, can be representative of us. You know, the church has been so divided. Families have been so divided. And, and things have died. And God wants, God desires, and God has designed that the church would be glorious and victorious before the Lord returns for it. And we're getting close. Do you know that the nation of Israel has been a nation 75 years this May 14th? The Bible tells us that the generation that sees Israel become a nation will not pass away before the return of the Lord. It's another indication. There are numerous things that are going on and things that have already been fulfilled that indicate we are in the last of the last days. Jesus could come almost any time. And we need to be prepared for the end time harvest because he's going to use us as believers in the earth at this time. But it's not going to be something we can do on our own. It's something that we can do when we are filled with the Spirit of God so that we have the power of God, we have the fruit of the Spirit, and we have the gifts of the Spirit operating in our lives to be a witness to the world. One of the things the Holy Spirit does is he floods our hearts with love. Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love one for another. And yet, we won't even talk to some of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We'll put all sorts of posts up that are, are just incredibly wrong, condemning or, or calling out people. Listen, that person, that person that we're having an issue with, there are two things you need to always remember. Number one, they're made in the image of God. Number two, Jesus died for them. They're a brother and sister in Christ. They're part of your body. If you wouldn't whack your hand, or cut your finger, then don't cut or whack another Christian. I'm going to tell you the fear of God, and we're going to look at this eventually. The fear of God is one of the things that when we begin to walk in the fear of God, the honor, the reverence, the respect, the awe of God, we will begin to unite like never before. Like never before. But there is a lack of the fear of the Lord, and because of that, we'll treat each other all sorts of ways. Jesus said this, listen, 
if you've done it under the least of these. And he was talking about giving a glass of water, but understand, it's about anything. Whatever you've done to your brothers and sisters, you've done to him. That ought to be a very, very strong wake-up call. We should never treat another believer like we wouldn't treat Jesus. As a matter of fact, we shouldn't treat another human being any other way than we would treat Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I know when, when I think about that, I realize there's change that has to happen in my life. And that's the spots and the wrinkles that God is trying to get out of the church. Coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. And so this, this amazing army is on its feet because the Spirit of God has breathed life into it. God wants the church to arise because the Spirit of God is breathing life into it. Not because we're doing all sorts of different things. All the outside stuff is not the most important thing. It's the, God is doing an inside work. It's an inside job. God always works from the inside out. When we get saved, when we become a new creation in Christ, what changes? Does our body change? Nope. Be careful. Does our soul change? To a degree. But I'm telling you, that's where you and I have to do all our work. Our spirit changes. We become alive to God. That's where the real change is. It's at the very center of who you are. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And when we get saved, our bodies don't change. Our souls have the freedom now to be able to be what God has, but our spirit becomes alive to God and is sealed with the Holy Spirit. And from that point out, we have lived our lives body first, soul first. And as Christians, we're supposed to live spirit first, spirit led. And that means we have to refer to a different reference point than we've ever had before. We have to reference our spirit. What's our spirit? Saying, what, what are we getting from God? Not, what do I feel? Not, what do I think? Those, those will betray us as Christians. Now we're supposed to live spirit forward. Where our spirit now influences our soul. You, you've heard the scripture where uh, Jesus says, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. Yeah, the flesh is weak. That's what the enemy goes after. That's what draws us into temptation, our desires. And so we can't live body first. We can't live soul first. We have to live spirit first. And our spirit needs to influence our soul. And our spirit and soul now influence our bodies. Because without that, we're going to continue to live the way we used to live, even though we don't have to. And so this great army stands up, but how does it happen? What, what, what happens? What, who comes to bring life into this army? Yes, thank you. Don't be afraid to answer. The Spirit. The Spirit of God, 
that brings life. The Spirit of God brings life. That's what Jesus said in John 6, 63. Now, in Joel, this was the other scripture that God began to have me just meditate on and, and study. In Joel chapter 2, uh, it, it speaks about the army of God, and we're not going to deal with that right now, but it, it has characteristics of what this army, this army is like. This great, exceedingly great army that Israel is, and that the church is supposed to be. But in Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29, we're going to go right to this, and, and look at this. It says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men's servant and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit on the, in I will pour out my spirit in those days. What days? Well, it refers back to the first verse 28, where it says, afterwards. Afterwards. This is talking about something in the future that is going to happen. And this is, this is what God said he's going to do. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, if God pours his spirit on all flesh, that means saved and unsaved. That means Jew and Gentile, believer and unbeliever. But guess what? When the spirit is poured out on an unbeliever, they aren't turned towards God. So it's just going to run off. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, we need to be turned towards God. Just like a cup. Our cup needs to be turned towards God so he can fill us to overflowing. That's what we need. We need to be filled with the overflowing presence of God. And the only way that happens is as we turn to God. That means we have to be aware of what's trying to pull us away and turn us towards something else. Because whatever degree we're turned towards something else is a degree that we are not going to receive the fullness of what God has in our lives. Because we're being distracted. Man, there is no end to distractions. We, living in this hour, have more distractions than mankind has ever had. Pastor Gabe and I were talking about this this week. We remember when TV, there were three channels. Now we have hundreds of channels, and we still can't find something decent to watch. We had three channels, and most of the stuff was decent. It's crazy. But he said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And then he shows how it's, where it's going. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. What is common to all of those? Whose? Whose sons and daughters? Whose young men and old men? Yours. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the nation of Israel. Israel, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And then he goes on to say, and also on who? My men's servants and maidservants. On my men and women who are my servants. Now I want you to know. 
He's talking about yours and mine. Now, when he talks about my servants, who qualifies for being a servant of God? We as believers, whether we're Jew or Gentile, we as believers can qualify for being servants of God. But the question is, are we serving God or who are we serving? God's pouring out his spirit. He wants to pour it out on us as we continue to serve him. But listen, we, we hinder the working of God in our lives when we go after other things. Does the Spirit of God ever leave us? No, absolutely not. God puts His Spirit in us, but we can ignore Him. We can choose to do what we want to do, carrying the presence of God in us, and, and just, I'm telling you, this is just an... Uh, when we sin, we are sinning, and in our sin... We've got Holy Spirit right there with us. That hurts God. That's what the enemy is after. The enemy is after destroying your life and hurting God. And the way he hurts God is by hurting us. Verse 30 and 31, it says this. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Before the coming of the Lord. This is happening. The Spirit of God's being poured out. And, and it, it already, part of this has been fulfilled. Part of it still is to be fulfilled. Because when we look in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there was an appointed time. Just like there was an appointed time, God has planned everything. And there is an appointed time for everything under heaven. You know, when I think about it, I think, gee, you know, God, why didn't you send Jesus just after Adam and Eve sinned so they could repent and, and, and be saved? But you know what? There's a time for everything. Things have, had to happen the way they did. God does everything on his time, and he makes everything beautiful in his time. It's not our time. His ways are higher than ours, and we need to trust him in this. And so when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All right, so if you'll remember, we talked about Jesus breathing on his disciples. He breathed on them and said, receive the Spirit. That was back when he had resurrected. But what did he tell them they needed to do? What was Jesus' command to the disciples? Anybody remember where they were supposed to stay, what they were supposed to do? Yeah, wait, wait where? In Jerusalem. 
until you receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That was a command by Jesus. And what do we find? We find them in one accord in one place. Now listen, this is again showing the fear of the Lord, the reverence, the honor, the respect, the awe of God, trusting him and obeying him. He told them to wait. They were all there in one accord, in one place. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God begins to be poured out on them. And it says, suddenly, there was a sound. Remember when Ezekiel prophesied, and suddenly there was a noise and bones came together. God does some things suddenly. Even though we have to wait for a while, when he does it, it may be a suddenly. You may be that close to God suddenly for you. Don't give up. When Peter sank, when he was walking to Jesus on the water, when he began to sink and he cried out to Christ, all Jesus had to do was reach down to him. That's how close he was. I want you to know, don't give up. Don't give in. Don't give over. Keep on keeping on. Hold fast your faith. Because the Bible says it has great reward. And so they were in this place and suddenly this wind, they've been there for days. And in a moment, this wind, sound of wind from heaven comes. Wind is one of the, the uh, images of Holy Spirit in the Bible. And it says it filled the whole room. And then tongues of fire were on each one of them. Do you know that God, God displays himself as fire at times? When, when he was in the burning bush, he appeared as fire burning the bush. When, they were leading, when he was leading Israel through the wilderness, part of his appearance, his presence, was a pillar of fire. The Bible says God is a consuming fire. fire. Fire has an indication of purification. And so this tongue of fire came on them, and they were all filled with the Spirit of God. Every one of them that was there. If they had gone out, they weren't where they were supposed to be. That wouldn't have happened to them. At that moment. It doesn't mean it never would, but I'm telling you right now, they needed to be where God had for them to be in obedience to what he told them. And they were, and they were all filled with the Spirit. And then it says, and some of us don't want to read this. Some of us have been told this isn't for today. But I'm telling you, if you, you've been told that, you've been lied to. Because whatever is not the truth of God's word is a lie. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This was the birth of the church. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You talk about an exceedingly great army. I'm telling you, this is applicable to us today.
You know, it's not just here that it talks about people being filled with the Spirit and speaking in other tongues. In Acts 10, through 46, this isn't going to be up on the screens. The Spirit of God was poured out on the Gentiles. They began to speak with other tongues. Then in 19.6, Paul laid hands on people and the Holy Spirit came and they began to speak with other tongues. There's another place in Acts 11.15 where the Holy Spirit fell and it says, and they received the Spirit as we in the beginning, which this is the beginning, this is what it says. It can't just erase it or cut it out. There was a sorcerer, Simon, the sorcerer who saw the apostles praying for people and laying hands on them and them receiving the Spirit. And he said, I want to have the power to be able to lay my hands on people that they would receive the Spirit. How, how did he know they received the Spirit? There had to be an outward manifestation. And, and the way Bible scholars tell this, and, and one of their principles is law of first mention. If there's a manifestation and it's not named what it is, then we've got to go back to where it happened first and look at that and say, okay, this is where it happened first. It was one of these. Either it was a tongue of fire, uh, it was a tongue of fire, and, and they began to speak with other tongues. But there was an outward manifestation that he was able to see that they had received the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I will tell you, I didn't believe in this. I thought this was... Ridiculous. My parents got filled with the Spirit. And my wife and I were determined to get them out of the cult that they were in. No, I'm serious. I, was, I, was, I am dead serious. Because in the churches that I was raised up in, nobody ever talked about this. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't say a word about it. Didn't... Talked much about Holy Spirit. Talked a lot about Jesus. And that's good. But there is, Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll send one just like me. So we're overlooking someone that Jesus sent, a gift that he's given. And when, when we finally got around to sitting down with my folks, they said, look, just read your Bible. Why do I have to read my Bible? The guy up front always tells me about the Bible. No, I, I, that's what I believed. I believed I'd hear what I needed to hear and I don't need to study because I didn't know what the Bible said about studying for myself. Study to show myself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I will tell you, you need to study your Bible. You're not going to get everything from the person up front. You're going to get things that God has for you, but you need to get some stuff straight from God. And so when we sat down with them, they showed us. They showed us in the Bible. I had never seen this. Whose fault was that? Mine. We can't blame anybody for our lack of knowledge of the Word. And so as I started to study it out, I realized that this is something that the Bible says is not just for days gone by, because that was another thing that I had heard. You know, the, the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, tongues, that was for days gone by. It was just for the apostles. I believed them. 
So I, I didn't, didn't have that until I started to study for myself and realized what I'm reading in the Bible doesn't, doesn't line up with what I've been told. And I, I got a challenge. Am I going to believe what I've been told by people I respect and I trust? Or am I going to believe the Bible? I'm telling you what I chose. I chose the Bible. Because every human being that speaks to you, no matter how mature a Christian they are, they're still human beings. God uses the fivefold ministry to, to develop the church for the work of the ministry. But God is using flawed people. Don't get your eyes on them. Get your eyes on God. You're trusting God. Because he'll never, never fail us. And so as, as I, I became aware of this, Debbie and I did, Debbie, Debbie asked, she, she knew she was in a difficult situation with her mother, and, and so she said, Lord, I need everything you have for me. And a neighbor came down. No, nobody called her except God and said, you need to get down to Deb Heck's house and pray with her to be filled with the Spirit. This woman prayed with my wife. Debbie was filled with the Spirit, and there was a dramatic change in her. When I got filled with the Spirit, there was a dramatic change in me. Did I look the same? Yep. Back then I had hair. But I looked the same. I thought the same. But there were things that were changing in me that were just monumental. I had a desire for God's Word. I wanted to read God's Word more than ever before. I had a desire to tell people about Jesus. And my life started to change. I received a prayer language, which they spoke with other tongues. And so I was able to do what the Bible tells me. When I pray in the Spirit, I pray mysteries to God. But I pray the perfect will of God. I've never prayed the perfect will of God in any prayer except when I pray in the Spirit. Because I'm being directed by God. So this happened. This was the beginning of the church. This is what you and I are a part of. This is how it happened. And, and Jesus told them, you wait until you receive power from on high that you'll be able to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. That's what they needed back then. I'm telling you, the world hasn't gotten better. If they needed that power back then, we need that power now. And it's important. Now look. Let me tell you something, because I, I have a tendency to get intense. You didn't know that. But, but understand, you, you don't have to be filled with the Spirit. You can have the Spirit in residence. God won't force any of this on you, and it doesn't make a difference whether you're going to heaven or not. But it does make a huge difference of how you go through this life. With the infilling the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the, the overflowing of the Spirit. When it talks about baptism, baptism is about total saturation, which none of us keep saturated. We're supposed to be being filled with the Spirit. That's one of the things that Paul said. And so it's an ongoing infilling because we, we leak. Not only do we leak 
because we're crackpots. It's what the Bible tells us. We give out. When we're giving out of what God's giving us, we need to be replenished. That's what the infilling of the Holy Spirit does, constantly infilling us. We need to be available to be filled and filled and filled and filled and filled so we're not operating on empty. That we're living and operating and, and, and ministering out of the overflow. That's what Jesus did. And so this, this happens. This is what, what, what was being spoken about. Now, now going on in verse 15, and he, a lot of things are, are said here we don't have time, but in verse 15 it says, these are not drunk as you suppose since the only, it's only the third hour of the day because when they spilled out of the upper room after being filled with the Spirit, people were looking at them and they heard them glorifying God in all different languages. But they are, every one of them heard them in their own language. I'm telling you, that's supernatural. That's not just back for them. I've shared this before, but when we were in Israel, my wife and I went to Israel and, and we were with a group and we went down into an amphitheater that was by Caesarea Philippi and, and we just decided we were going to sing in the Spirit because Paul says, pray in the Spirit. And pray with your understanding. Sing in the Spirit and sing with your understanding. And so we went down and, and we just got a group together and we just started to praise God with, in tongues. Just worshiping God in tongues. We got back to the bus and our guide, who was an Israeli general that did tours too when he wasn't on the front line, went over to my pastor and said, where do these people come from? He said, these are people from my church in Mississippi. He said, how do they know all these languages? He said, what languages? He said, I speak seven languages. I heard all seven languages. He said, when did you hear all seven languages? When they were singing down there. I heard all seven languages and they were praising God. He said, none of these people know those languages. They're just singing to God, praising God in the Spirit. That, that was the door that opened for our guide, Ephraim, to let us go to his house and pray for his wife who had cancer. Yeah. I don't want to look stupid. Why do we care? I don't want to people to think I'm crazy. They already do. <laughs> Look at the church you come to. We can choose. This isn't a forced thing. Salvation isn't a forced thing. It's a choice. But I'm telling you, you and I should want everything God has for us because everything God has for us is everything we need. These are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, what we read in Joel 2. And this is exactly what it said. And it will come to pass in the last days. It didn't say afterward, but in the last days, 
says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will, shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And on my main men servant and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall all, they shall prophesy. Go ahead. And I will show wonders in heavens, in heavens above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke, and it, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so he quotes exactly what Joel had prophesied. And he said, this is that. That Joel prophesied. This is that. This is coming to pass. Now, Israel, the Spirit of God being poured out on the Israelis is still to come, where there is going to be an outpouring and an infilling of the Spirit of God that is still to come. But it's happened already for, for the church. And it's important. And then Peter begins to, to tell them about David and how David. And Jesus, he tells them uh, about how Jesus, God had raised up uh, and, and how they had crucified the Lord of glory. The last part of that in verse 36, and this won't be up there, he says, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. And then in verse 37, he says this. Now when they heard this, when they heard all these things, Peter is speaking. And, and he's speaking by direction of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is inspiring him to speak these things to all these people that have gathered in Jerusalem for the celebration of the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Passover. And, and all of a sudden, he's speaking to them, and they hear this, and it says they were cut to their heart. These weren't just words. Because Peter was speaking, prophesying, Inspired of God, these words cut right to their heart. Ephesians chapter 6 says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When God's Word is directed by God's Spirit, it becomes something more powerful than just words. And all of a sudden, they were pricked in their hearts. Something was happening. Now, I, I am amazed. At times, people will say, you know, I don't know why everybody else was here this Sunday. I, you were just talking to me. No, I wasn't talking to you. I was sharing what God had shared with me. The Spirit of God is imparting something to you. God can use anybody, anything. Donkeys talk. God used donkeys to speak. So anybody can qualify. But we've got to be available to speak what he wants. The words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. That, the spirit of God just cut through all the religious baloney that these people had been blinded by. And Peter said to them, he says, what shall we do? And Peter says to them, repent. Repent. 
turn around, turn back to God. Do you know that at least in, in what I've read about what's going on at Asbury, there, there is a real spirit of repentance. People are really repenting of sins, of, of compromise. And I'm telling you, if you as a Christian do not embrace repentance on a daily scale, then we're letting things pile up and, and, and hinder us from, from walking with God and, and, and flowing with God and, and being used by God. And that's why repentance is a great thing. How many of you like showers or baths? Take a look around. If they're not raising your hand, you may not want to sit next to them. Of course we do. Why? What do, what do showers and baths do? They get the grime off us, the funk off us, right? That's just physically. I'm telling you, spiritually, we've got grime and funk on us because we're walking through a world that is just saturated with us, with it. And this is what repentance does. It cleanses. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift. How many of you like gifts? Gifts are good, especially when you know the one giving you it has infinite wealth and resources. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now look at this. For the promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit is to you. All right, so he's talking to people right there is to you. Now look, to your children. So that's another generation. And then to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. You know what that means? That means forever. Every generation. This is offered to every generation. But the enemy has done such a masterful job in causing us to be religious and not read what the truth is. So he robs us of the truth and we aren't set free. We aren't empowered the way we need to be. And Jesus needs his church to be operating in power. An amazingly powerful army. Because when we go out into the world, we need to be operating with the power of the Spirit of God in us the fruit of the Spirit of God in us, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the faithfulness, the self-control, and the gifts of the Spirit in us. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the working of miracles, the gifts of healings, prophecy, tongues and interpretation of tongues. Man, these are all signs for people that don't know Jesus. And if we aren't filled with the Spirit, if we aren't overflowing with the Spirit, I'm telling you, we're going to hinder what God wants to do in our lives for us to bless God, bless other people, and receive the blessing that God has for us. And I don't have time, but I've got to do it. We just have to push on. It goes on to say a little farther down in 41 through 43, it says this. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added. How many of you would like to see 3,000 souls come to Christ? 
I'm telling you, if they had to do it that way then, it's got to be done that way now. God doesn't change. Isn't that what we started out with? There are some things that have to happen in our lives. Jesus told the disciples, don't leave, I'm commanding you. You're not going to have what you need to be my witnesses until you receive power from on high. We still can't be what God has for us to be until we receive the Spirit of God and become alive to God. And then if we're going to go out and be used by God, we need the power of God. We don't need our power. The Bible says it's not by our might or by our power, but by His Spirit. That's how this happens. And you know, there, there are divisions at every level in churches. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with Jesus, but I, I don't like that Holy Spirit stuff. We divide on all sorts of levels that are just absolutely ridiculous. If God says it, that's the way it needs to be. We can choose to believe it or not. If we don't, we don't get what he says. It's not because he doesn't want us to have it. It's because we reject it. 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in breaking of bread and in prayers. And look at this. Looky, looky, looky. Then fear, the fear of the Lord, came upon them on every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. I want to tell you a difference between what happened there and what's going to happen now, what is happening now. Because as people are filled with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, many signs and wonders are going to be done by the body of Christ. Each and every member of the body is going to be no extra parts. But they continued steadfastly. They were faithful. They were faithful to connect, to be together. And I'm telling you, this is where the enemy is trying to get real advantage, where we have all sorts of things on our schedule that's become more important than God. Can you imagine in heaven saying, hey, you know what, I want to leave this praise and worship, this gathering together in the throne room of God. I want to go catch an, a pair. I want a pear. I want an apple. No, that's not going to happen. But there are all sorts of things that draw us away because we're letting other things in us guide us. Not our spirit. Our body, our soul. And our soul has to come to that place where, where we are becoming transformed in our soulish area. Our mind, our will, and emotions. We're thinking the way God thinks. We're speaking the way God speaks. We're choosing not to let feelings direct us. We're walking by faith. We're going to continue to look at this because we are seeing that there is a unity that came. But that unity came because there was obedience to God. There was obedience to God because they trusted God. They trusted God because they feared God. And without unity, there is no revival. But there's no real true unity until we fear the Lord. And we're going to look at this in the future. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. We're living in an amazing time. And God is, is by His Spirit, 
he is trying to get the attention of the church to, to really turn towards him. Let his spirit fill our lives. Let his word saturate our minds. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The spirit of God can help us, reminding us of the word of God. To stay on track. To be led by the spirit to fulfill the will and purposes and plans and callings of God. To see thousands of souls saved, even in a day. We're not seeing it in America yet, but we are seeing it. I was talking to a man with SOS that I know, Fernando, and he was saying, we're seeing thousands upon thousands of Muslims being saved. Jason Law has told me the same thing. They're, they're in Muslim nations and Thousands upon thousands of Muslims are turning to God. We need to be so turned to God and filled with God and directed by God that others will be impacted by God. Christ in us is the hope of glory. I want to pray with you today if you've never turned your life over to the Lord. Because that's the beginning. Without that, He is very severely limited in what he can do in your life. But once that happens, you have given him the right to rule, to govern, to guard your life. If you're here and you've never given your life to the Lord, I want to pray with you today, but I want to know who I'm praying with. If that's you, I just want you with every head bowed, every eye closed, just raise your hand and say, that's me. Then I believe everyone has. For all of us that have, it's, it's a time where it's really time to get down to it. If you knew in the next two years or in the next year you'd be stepping into eternity, would you change how you live your life? If you would, then change. There are people, God is counting on us, offering us opportunity. But we can't do what he has for us to do without that partnership where by his spirit, he wraps his arms around us and he helps us to swing and connect and produce something far beyond what we could do alone. Father, I pray right now for every one of us. Help us. Help us to see the things that are dividing our heart and our attention and our allegiance and weakening our availability to you. Father, I pray right now that that we would all long desire and seek and ask that you would fill us with your spirit. If we've been filled and had a prayer language, Father, renew that in us. Help us to stir ourselves up on our most holy faith, like, like it says in Jude, praying in the Holy Ghost. Father, if there's not a prayer language, I thank you right now that you said we can lay hands just as P Paul did, Peter did. Lay hands on people and they'll receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And that infilling, we expect and we believe for the manifestation of a prayer language like you said we could have, like we see in the first day. That is to our children and our children's children and as many as are far off calling.
called. Father, help us not be satisfied until we receive all that you have. Thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? I'm just going to say this. If, if you've never been filled with the Spirit and you want to be filled with the Spirit, you want somebody to pray for you, lay hands on you, um, don't bolt out of here. Uh, come on up to the front, and Pastor Gabe and I will we'll pray for you, believing for you to receive this gift that God says is yours. This week is an opportunity to be directed by God to people that he loves, that he gave his, his son for, that don't know how much he loves them and how much he cares and what he can do for them. But you do. And you and I are the, the ambassadors that God has going out into a world that so desperately needs him and yet is not seeking him. And I just want to pray for you before you go. Heavenly Father, thank you for each and every one of your children here today. Father, we want to be those witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. But Father, that's just in our own hometown, in, in our families, in our friends, in our neighbors, and even with people we don't know but you love that we interact with daily. Father, help us. Help us and show us what you want and how you want it. And Father, our eyes are on you. Our trust is in you. Our hope is in you. We desire to honor you and reverence you and live in awe of you as we we trust you and obey you, knowing that obedience is better than anything else. We thank you, Father. Father, I thank you that you go with us today, every step of the way, that we can bring glory to your name and life to the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.